we're looking today in the book of Acts. If you have your Bible, you might want to turn there. We're going to look in Acts chapter 3, and we're going to look in the first 10 verses of that chapter. So Acts chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 10. And what we're going to be discovering today as we go through Scripture as, is that God still has a desire for His church, for His people, to move in power, and the power that He provides um, a, a number of years ago, there were marine biologists that performed an experiment that was, it was kind of strange. Matter of fact, I, I, I mentioned this in the first service. You can actually pull it up on YouTube and watch it. So uh, it's another one of those things my kids pointed out to me. Don't do it yet, but do it later. And it's, it was an experiment with a, a fish called a, you know, a pike. Now, I don't know if you all know what pikes are, but they're typically uh, up north. They've been about four and a half feet long. Sometimes they can weigh about like 50 pounds. And so they took this pike, they put it in an aquarium, and they uh, dumped minnows in on the pike. Now, as you can imagine, it was just, it was a horror show for anybody who uh, is a minnow fan. And so that pike just went nuts, you know, just lashing out at every minnow that it can. And so they would do this experiment, you know, just, you know time after time, dumping minnows. The pike would eat every fish he could find. And then they, they, it was a little bit of a game change. They, they took a, a glass cylinder and they put it over the pike. Now, the pike couldn't see the cylinder. And so then they dumped in the minnows, and when the minnows were swimming around, that pike was trying to grab them, but he kept bumping his head in to the glass cylinder. He couldn't get to them. And so they would do that over and over again, and finally it got to a point where that pike no longer even reacted to the minnows because it knew it couldn't get to them. And then here's the next part of the experiment. They removed the glass cylinder, and they put the minnows in. And what was interesting is that Pike just sat there and did not move while all those minnows swam around him because he didn't think that he could get to those minnows. And that Pike ended up starving to death as the minnows were swimming around him. Now, isn't that crazy? Watch it on YouTube. The death part's not that great. But anyway, but it's just strange now, I saw that, and then I began to realize and think about it like this. I began to realize, did you know that God has provided the church with power? First uh, Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Now, we have the power of God within us, but many of us, like that pike, don't believe that that power can work through us And that we'll be able to actually make a difference, impact people's lives, see people restored and changed and healed. And so we just simply let the world go on and we live without any power when God wants us to have power. And so the question for us today is, can God's power still work through us? And that's what we're going to look at. That's why we're going to look at Acts chapter 3. Now in this chapter, what we see happening is two of Jesus' disciples, Peter and John, were making their way to the temple, which is, you know, it's in Jerusalem, and they were going there in order to, for the customary hour of prayer. Now, there were three customary hours of prayer that would take place. That was at 9 o'clock in the morning, 12 o'clock, and then 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So in our text, we see that they're walking up to the temple at 3 o'clock in the afternoon in order to pray. Now, as they were walking up there, they notice that there is a man who has been lame since birth, lying down, begging for money. And then I look at the story today, and we're going to see that when they saw this man in his weakness, they believed in the power of God. 
And they believe that God's power could work through them to change this man's life. And what ends up happening, I don't want to spoil the ending for you, but I'll just let you know ahead of time, the guy is healed. Now, I look at stories like this in the Bible, and I think, how incredible is that? I mean, wouldn't you like to be a part of something like Peter and John were a part of, where the power of God worked through them, and they saw directly how it impacted somebody's life? Now, I see stories like this, and then I wonder, could that still happen today? Can God's power still move through people like me and you today where people are transformed? Here's my answer. I believe so. I believe God's power still moves like that today. Now, the question is this then. Well, then how can we see God's power like that? And I want us to look at a few things. I believe that we can see God's power unleashed, first of all, when we recognize that there's a need. You know, we have to recognize a need before we begin to see God move. Now, I want you to look in verse number 1. It says, Now Peter and John were going up together to the temple complex at the hour of prayer at 3 in the afternoon, and a man who was lame from his mother's womb was carried there and placed every day at the temple gate called Beautiful so he could beg from those entering the temple complex. So again, Peter and John, they're walking to the temple, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the regular time of prayer. As they are walking there, there's tons of people that are with them. Now, because it was the customary hour of prayer, Jews from all over Jerusalem would stream up to the temple. So that meant there would be hundreds, thousands of people that would make their way to the temple. Now, to get to the temple... There were nine different gates located around the temple that you would walk through. Now, if you are a person who is begging and you are begging for money, the best place that you could be is where a lot of people are. So that's why this guy in our text, who's been lame since birth, he had his, had his friends or some people carry him to the gates leading up to the temple because the more people there are, the chances are greater that you're going to get more money. Now, whenever you saw somebody in need, according to the Jewish faith, you were to reach out to them, you were to give them. It was called the giving of alms. Uh, the Bible speaks of generosity in a lot of different places. First uh, John three seventeen and 18 says, If anyone has this world's goods and sees his brother in need, but closes his eyes to his need, how can God's love reside in him? Little children, we must not love with word or speech, but with truth and action. And so Peter and John, they're walking to the temple, and they happen to see a guy who's in need. They recognized the need. They saw that he was a man who needed something. Now the question for us is, do do we recognize, do we recognize needs? Now, do, do you recognize the people around you? Do you recognize the people you work with, what, what they need to be prayed over for? Do you know where their struggles are? Whenever we as a church look into our community, are we able to look into our community and say, this is an area where we can fill the gap in order to be a difference maker in this community? Now, I think it's very easy to not see the needs You know, in my own life, it's easy for me not to see very well what's on the outside because too many times I am just focused in looking at me. 
and looking at what I want and what I desire. Now, there's nothing wrong with taking care of yourself, but if you become so focused in on just you, you are never going to see beyond you. As a church, if we, if we ever get in a position where all we are looking at is how to take care of ourselves, then guys, we are not going to be able to meet the needs of the people who are outside of this group of believers. And that's not why God put us here. So I think sometimes it's easy for us not to see needs. I think sometimes we want to ignore needs. I think part of the reason why is one, we see needs and we think some of the needs that people have and they're big. And we think, man, those are way, those are way too complicated for me. And I don't think there's anything that we can really do to help. And I know that sometimes I think, I would hate to try to meet somebody's need but fail. And you know, as, as a believer, I think, you know, I, I don't want people to think that my faith's not worth anything. So the safe thing for me to do is just simply not to do anything. And yet, whenever I look into scripture, see, that's not how Peter and John responded. You know, they really believed that Jesus called them to be a light in darkness. Now guys, if we live in a world of darkness, we as believers, we are to be the light that shines so that people can see where to go. To see that there's hope. This man in our text had been lame from, from birth. You know, he hadn't been able to walk his entire life. Now let me ask you just a really simple question. Is there anything really that these disciples could have done in order to meet this man's need in his lameness? And humanly speaking, the answer to that question is no. They could have recognized his need and then just simply kept on walking. But that's not what they did. They recognized his need and said, we have a chance to do something because we have God's power with us. Now, let me tell you something. If we don't see needs, we don't recognize needs, then, then you can't, you can't deal with them. Does that make sense? If, if we don't recognize, if we don't see needs, then guys, we, we can't meet those needs. We have to know what they are, first of all. So that means we have to keep our eyes open to what's around us. Let me try to give you a kind of a story about the importance of keeping your eyes open. Uh, there was, uh, there were three men that were hiking through the woods and they came to this huge raging river. And, and they had to get across it. It was getting ready to be dark. And so they said, we gotta hurry up and get across this. And so one of the men, he began to pray and he said, God, give me the strength to get across this river. And immediately, God gave him big arms and big legs. It's obviously not a true story. So he got big arms and big legs. And so the guy dives into the water and he, he swims across the water and the waves are, you know, going over him. He's about to drown, but somehow he makes it all the way across. Well, the second guy's watching this and he prays for something a little bit different. He said, God, give me the strength to get across the river, but also give me the tools. So God gave him big arms and big legs and gave him the tools to build a boat. So the guy builds a boat and he's got these big arms. He's rowing across and the, boat just about capsizes a couple of times and finally he gets across it just barely and the third guy's watching this and his prayer is he's like okay i got got it now so god give me the strength and give me the tools give me the intellect to get across that river you know what god did met him a woman met him a woman pulled out a map looked at the map realized that there's a bridge a hundred yards down the river walked across the bridge he got across now, what was the deal there? That the guy, he didn't get so focused in on just the river to where he was overwhelmed. He had his eyes open and he was able to see that there was a pathway to freedom. Now, guys, let me tell you something. If we as a church 
if we as believers are going to see God move and see his power work through us, it begins with us keeping our eyes open so that we can recognize the need. But it's not enough just simply to recognize that we live in a place where there are needs. I think we can kind of understand that. But here's the second thing. If we're going to see God's power move through us, you don't just simply need to recognize the need. You need to expect God to meet the need. When you see a need, expect God to meet it. Have faith that God will meet needs. Look with me in verse number 3. It says, when he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, this is the crippled man, he asked for help. And Peter, along with John, looked at him intently and said, look at us. And so he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I have neither silver nor gold, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. Get up and walk. Now this is a, this is a mind-blowing story to me. I mean, you should try to put yourself in this scene right here. As people are pouring into the temple complex for prayer time, there is a beggar right there at the gate. It's called Beautiful. A lot of them think that is the gate that leads into, into the temple area, the walls of Jerusalem on the eastern side. And he's begging for money. And it says when Peter and John were walking by, they recognized the need. They saw that man. They saw, they saw him. It says that they looked intently at him. In other words, they were focused in on this man. They recognized him. They recognized his need. Now, what did he need? Well, he was begging for money. You know, give me alms. Give me money. I need, I need cash. Now, the man was lame. And that meant that because of that, in this, in this day's economy, he couldn't have a job. I mean, he really wasn't, there wasn't anything that he could really do. Uh, more than likely, he was an older guy. His parents probably had died, which is why he's begging. They can't take care of him anymore. He had some people he knew who would drop him off every day at the temple gate in order for him to get money. So he is begging. Now, what's he wanting? He's wanting cash. There's a lot of people. The needs, as much as the world changes, the, it's still the same. People still need cash, right? So this guy's sitting there, I need cash. He's, he's expecting, the Bible says he was expecting something from them. He needed enough money to make it through the day. And yet, whenever Peter and John looked at him, they said, oh, his need's greater than that. He doesn't just need enough money to make it through the day. He needs to be restored. He needs, very simply, Jesus. Now, I think it's interesting. He says, I need, just basically, he says, I need money. And then Peter gave an answer that so many of us give to our children. What did he say? He said, I don't have silver or gold. How many times have you said that to your kids? I need money, mom and dad. I don't have any cash on me. Sorry. They didn't have any cash on them. I don't have it with me. And you might say, why didn't they have money? Well, it's actually kind of explained back in Acts chapter 2. Acts 2.45 lets us know their financial situation. And speaking of believers, it says they sold all their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had need. Now, they're, they're not here lying when they say they don't have any money. I mean, they've taken everything that they've gotten and they're trying to take care of other believers because so many people have become Christians. And so they said, listen, we don't have any money. 
But after they said that, they didn't say, sorry, we don't have any money, just keep walking on. They recognized the need, and then Peter says, I don't have any money, but I give you Jesus. Now, you can look at that, and you can be kind of skeptical and say, that's a typical religious answer. I don't have anything to give you, but I give you Jesus. Thanks, but like that's going to do me any good. You know, I'm hungry, and you're going to give me Jesus. What does that mean? Now, here's what's interesting. They, they didn't just, Peter didn't just say this just as a throwaway line, I give you Jesus. Peter said, I don't have any money, but I give you Jesus because of this, because he expected Jesus to do something. Let me ask you a question. Do you expect Jesus to do stuff today? And I'm not just talking about for you. You know, I expect him to, you know, give me more money or give me a bigger house. Do you, when you see people in need, and you know God's called you to minister to them, do you minister to them expecting God will meet their needs? Because I won't be honest with you. There's a lot of times when I don't expect that. There's a lot of times whenever I will just say, hey, I give you Jesus, it's a throwaway line. Man, I've been, man I hope he does something for you. Have you ever have that feeling? I'm going to pray for you. God, help this person. I doubt you will, but please help them. I mean, what, what, what is that? Well, it's a lack of faith. So whenever you see people in need and God's calling you to reach out to them, are you reaching out to them expecting God to meet their needs? I love verse 6. Look at verse 6 again. It says, but Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I have I give you. This is important here. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. He expected God to meet the need. And that man believed. Do you believe? Bob Vernon was a an officer with the Los Angeles Police Department. And he said whenever they'd have rookies come in, he said we basically had to talk them in to wearing bulletproof jackets. He said a lot of them didn't want to wear it because they felt like it didn't make them like a, a man. You know, like I, I don't want anybody to think I'm scared. He said so we showed them they needed to be scared. He said, so we'd bring them in, we'd get mannequins, get the bulletproof vest on, and he said, and then we'd have somebody that would shoot bullets into the vest. And he goes, and it's, I mean, he goes, that's pretty intimidating. And he said, but then we would um, open up the vest to see if, it, if the bullets had gone through the vest. And he said, they never did. And he said, and after that test, he said, we would then turn to the rookie officers and say, how many of you would now like to have a vest? And he said, every one of them would raise their hands. We need one of those things. He said, so they would put those vests on, and they would wear them in faith, believing they would protect them. Guys, that is the kind of faith that we need when it comes to Jesus. Where we believe that when we put him on, that he is a shield. That whenever we put him on and we share him with other people, that he could protect and give life to people. Now, if we desire to see God's power unleashed, it it requires us to recognize the needs that are around us, but not just that, but to expect God to meet the needs. I want us to be a people that expect God to move, that expect God to meet needs. But but not just that, here's the last thing. If we're going to see God's power unleashed, then we need to be able to stick around until we see the need met. Stick around until you see the need met. Now, verse number 7, and this is interesting. It says, then taking him, and this is Peter, he was taking the crippled man by the right hand, and he raised him up, and at once his feet and ankles became strong. So he jumped up, stood and started to walk, and he entered the temple complex with them, 
walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple complex. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened to him. Now, it's pretty easy to throw out, you know, religious platitudes. You see somebody in need, go up to them and say, I'll be praying for you, and then walk on, never do anything. Or to see their need and say, man, I feel for you. I'll be thinking about you. What, I don't even know what that means. I'll be thinking about you. I'm like, that's going to help me. And we, we just move on. Guys, that, that, that's not, that is not the call of a believer. Our, our call is having faith and expecting God to move, and then sticking it out until he moves. Look at what Peter told the man. He said, rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. Now think about that. How bold is that? Would you do that? If you saw a crippled man, would you walk over to him and say, hey, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk? Now if I said that, and there's no way I'd do it, but if I said that, I would say it and then run away. Because I would be saying it thinking, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I'm saying it, but I'm not sticking around to see the failure. That's not what Peter did. Peter said, rise up and walk. And isn't it interesting? He walks over. He, he doesn't leave after he says that. He walks over to him, and he, he sticks out his hand. Why would he do that? What do you think? He's expecting the guy to get up. Isn't that incredible? He's expecting God to meet the man's need. Peter was not just a talker. He was a doer. He stayed until he saw results. Do you want to see God's power unleashed? You want to see God move and bring change? Then it's going to it's going to require stamina. It's going to require endurance on our part. That whenever we look into the the families that we know who are broken, whenever we look into the neighborhoods that are around us, the new neighborhoods that are coming whenever we see our friends at work who are struggling, we see somebody at work, we know there's just something that's not right with them, that they're in, that they're in pain. If we're going to see change in their lives, then we need to expect God to move in their life, but then we need to be willing to endure with them until we see results. Now, now most of the time we want to speak and then head out. I, you probably, I'm sure everybody in here has WD-40. Y'all have WD-40? You, you know what WD stands for? Yeah, water displacement. Some, some nerds in here, water displacement. All right, water displacement. You know what the 40 stands for? Yeah, it's, it, it, 39 failures that worked on the 40th. WD-40. What that means? Don't quit. Whenever you run into failure... Whenever you don't see instant results, hang in there. Keep plugging away until there's victory. Peter recognized the need. He expected God to meet the need. And then he walked over and he said, I will endure with you until God meets that need. He reached out his hand and what happened? We are told that the man jumped up. He's never walked in his life. First thing he does, he jumps up. Isn't that interesting? He didn't gingerly get on his feet, didn't grab a railing and kind of crawl up. He jumped up. Guys, you know what that tells me? It tells me that there is no weakness, there is no fear or handicap that will override the power of God working through his people. 
And I see that story and I think, oh God, do it again. God, work in us. Where when we see people whose hearts are broken, God, work through us to see them mended. God, whenever we see marriages that are destroyed, that are beyond hope, God, work through your people so that we can see them experience healing. Let us endure. Let us have stamina to see change. You know, Galatians 6, 9 says, So we must not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time, here's the key words, if we don't give up. Peter and John did not give up. They didn't just speak to the man, tell him to be good, walk on. They said, get up in the name of Jesus. And he did. Endurance matters. Stamina matters. It takes faith to hang in there where you don't see stuff happen immediately. It's our calling. Let me give you an an example of a man who had some endurance, some stamina. There was a man, his name was, um, what is his name? Henry Dempsey. He was a pilot. He's flying a plane. It's 1987. He's flying from Portland, Maine to Boston. So he's sitting there at the plane. There's a red light that went off in the cockpit signifying something's not right. So he turned the controls over to his co-pilot. He got up. He walked back into the cabin. As he did, they hit an air pocket, and it flung him up against one of the exit doors. As soon as he hit the exit door, he immediately knew what the problem was. The door had not been properly latched shut. As soon as he hit it, he was sucked out of the airplane. The co-pilot saw what had happened, and immediately he radioed in for an emergency landing. He told them the coordinates where they were, said, we need to start looking for the pilot. He went out of the plane. The plane is over at 4,500 feet altitude, flying over 200 miles an hour, coming in for a landing. As the plane lands, they notice something the crew does that's on the ground, notices something on the outside of the plane. It is that pilot. He was sucked out of the plane, but he grabbed on to a ladder and hung on the entire time. Whenever they went over to, to retrieve him, it took them over 10 minutes to get his hands off of that ladder. Now that, my friends, is what you call stamina. That's what you call endurance. Where he said, you know what? Things ain't looking good right now. But I'm going to hang on with everything that I've got. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up until I am safely on the ground again. Christians, we have that kind of endurance. Where we are willing to hang on with people until we see God move in their lives. Hebrews 10.36 says, For you, believers, need endurance, so that after you've done God's will, you may receive what was promised. Peter and John, they were willing to see things through. And the reason why they were willing to see things through is because they believed in the power of God. They believed that God's Spirit dwelled in them, and if He dwells in us, then the same Spirit who rose Jesus from the dead is living in you. What does that mean He can do in you? Everything. Because as a church, we can make a difference. But if we're going to see Him move, if we're going to see God's power unleashed, we have to recognize the need. What are the needs around us? And then, after we recognize the need, we, we have to expect God to meet the needs. And then we have to stick 
stick to it to the very end until we see needs met. Now, you might say, I want to see God's power. And some of you might say, I want to see God's power in my marriage. It could be that that's because your marriage is struggling. I'm going to be honest with you. You know what it's going to say? Other than just simply having faith that God can change and heal your marriage, it's going to take endurance. I've been around long enough where I can, I know, as I see marriage in trouble, I'm like, this, there's not a quick fix for this one. It might, it might require months and years of godly counseling. But the question is, will you be willing to endure? Because if you are, let me tell you something, you're going to see God's power. There may be, may be some of you, and, and you know that you have neighbors around you or good friends around you, and you know they need Jesus. Will, will you be willing to believe in the power of God that God can even reach them? Will you be willing to pray and say, God, will you just make their heart sensitive to you? God, will you use me as a tool to reach to reach my friend? Because Jesus, they need you. Could be that there are others of you, and, and you look into your own life, and, and maybe your body is betraying you, and you have a sickness or an illness, and you're just struggling with it. You don't know how to deal with it. Would you be willing to pray and to pray for healing, to pray for God to touch you, believing that he has the power to do that? Or believing that he has the power to enable you to endure even in the midst of suffering. See, I believe that God's given us big power. And yet I believe that there are many of us who are sort of like that pike at the beginning of the message. And we just don't believe we can do anything. And so what happens is we end up spiritually starving to death when God says, I have given you everything that you need and more. Christians, Village Church, I want us to expect big things from God. And I want you to believe that God can work for you. Because He wants to. Because He can. Heavenly Father, I am grateful for your word. And I'm grateful, Jesus, that, that you have that you have blessed us with the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, as I read stories like this, I see a man who was lame from birth, and yet I see that Peter and John believed, they had faith, they had confidence that you could change that man's life. Lord, may we be a people like Peter and John. Or when we see needs, Lord, that we will have faith, believing that our God is powerful enough to change any person's life. God, I pray that we will live out our faith. God, that we will see hearts transformed and changed. God, I pray that some of us, as a sign of our confidence and faith in you and our hope in you, God, that there'd be some of us today who would just simply get on our knees and say, oh God, work in me. Oh God, help my faith to grow in you. Let me trust you. Lord, let me step out in faith and believe that you are true to your word. And God, when you say that you can forgive, Lord, let me, let me claim that and believe that. God, whatever you say, 
you can restore people, that you can heal the brokenhearted, that you can bind up wounds. Lord, let us believe that and claim that. Lord, let us share the good news of Jesus. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.